Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Pastor Jim will continue in the very long 14th chapter of the book of Mark. We're going to begin with verse 53 and work through verse 65. Now, Mark has been building up to the crucifixion of Jesus ever since he entered Jerusalem near the beginning of the week, which began back in chapter 10. Now, we have spent several weeks digging into what Mark has provided for us here in God's Word. Last week, we looked at the betrayal and arrest of Jesus. The disciples, despite some very strong words, proved to be weak and failed miserably, ultimately scattering when Jesus was arrested during the night. Our passage this week describes the trial, or trials, that Jesus then endured before he was condemned to die. It's a mockery of a trial which ended up following a mob's emotions and the machinations of the Jewish leaders instead of any kind of real justice. Incredibly, the man in authority who ultimately sentenced Jesus to die on the cross first declared that he could find no fault with Jesus. And of course he couldn't, because Jesus was the only man who ever walked the earth who was entirely without sin. In our passage this week, we're not going to get to this final condemnation quite yet, but this week's passage deals with phase one of Jesus' trial before the leaders of the Jews, led by the high priest. And I love the creative title Pastor Jim gave this message. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, A Sentence in Search of a Crime. Uh, Never mind his total disregard for truth, never mind that this high priest, supposed to be the the great spiritual leader of Israel, is driven by um, murderous rage and jealousy. Never mind that justice has nothing to do with the decision that they reached. Caiaphas, oh, he was going to make the most of this moment. He was the high priest. He was masterful at keeping up appearances. His toolbox of hypocrisy was well-equipped, and he put it all on display He leads the Sanhedrin glee club in a great performance of hypocrisy here, verses 63 and 64, tearing his clothes. Why would you do that? Well, that was a a symbolic way of saying, we've just heard blasphemy. You can tear your your clothes. You're you're, you're showing um, righteous indignation. You're you're showing uh, anger at lies. You're, 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 You're siding with God because he's been demeaned somehow. Well, never mind, Jesus is God, and he was telling the truth. They said it was blasphemy. So he says, tearing his clothes, the high priest said, what further need do we have of witnesses? I can insert comments there, but I won't. You have heard the blasphemy. How does it seem to you? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. You see what they did? Their Messiah came. They rejected him. They opposed him publicly at every turn for over three years. They plotted for over a year how they were going to 
snatch him and murder him. They bribed Judas to betray him. They arrested him without cause. They suborned false witnesses. They accepted false testimony. They came to a false conclusion. Then they twisted even the testimony that they'd heard to change their false conclusion to a different false conclusion. And this time, we don't even need witnesses. You all, you all heard it. So, in case you have any doubts that the leaders of the Jews had deteriorated to the lowest possible point of apostasy and false religion. Remember, their high priest is still wearing his priestly getup. Probably the others who were there, uh, where there's all the outward trappings of their, of their pomp and their supposed spirituality. And what are they doing? They're condemning the Son of God. Here's how they treated their Messiah. Verse 65. Some began to spit at him. You know, I don't think that's in a job description of a high priest or a low priest or anybody else. Some began to spit at him and to blindfold him and to beat him with their fists and to say to him, prophesy, and harmonize that with Matthew, Luke, and John. Hit him with fists with his, when he's got his head covered or blindfolded and then say, tell us who hit you. He could have. And by the way, he could have deflected every one of their blows so that as they swung at him, it recoiled and hit them in the face. He didn't because he took upon himself what we deserve. It says, and the officers received him with slaps in the face. Centuries before this, Isaiah had predicted how Israel would one day, those alive at that day, come to faith in Christ and look back on this. And we have that recorded in Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and forsaken of men. The Sanhedrin despised him. His own guys were in hiding. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised And we did not esteem him. Well, that ends the Jewish phase of Jesus' trial. He endured it all, not because he deserved it. He endured it all because of your sin and mine. It was going to get even worse, much worse. But before we move to that Roman phase of the trial, we're going to follow it as Mark does. We're going to see how... Peter was dealt with um, that night, and we'll see that unfold next week, Lord willing. But where do you think you would have been that night? Wouldn't it be nice to say you would have stood there with him? Well, none of the apostles did. And, and, and the one who tried wound up more ashamed than the rest of him. Remember, there was even that um, young man after the eleven had scattered and Peter was there and there was that young guy in the, in the courtyard and when push came to shove, he was more willing to run through the streets naked than to be identified with Jesus. We would have been just as shameful. But that's our Savior going there for us. The leaders of the Jews were hell-bent on maintaining their power. They were just like Pilate and Herod Antipas, except that they pretended to be spiritual about it. Pilate and Herod just were political and military 
hacks. What's your, what's your style? What, what is it that comes to your mind when you think about doing this? I, I bet if I said, what sin do you battle most often? You probably wouldn't have to take a whole lot of time to answer that, would you? You'd say, well, let me get out my list. But do you crumble under pressure like Peter did? Are you a phony like Judas Judas was? Do you do whatever is expedient to keep your own power and influence like the politicians did? Do you profess to follow Jesus, but you look for places to hide rather than standing firm for your faith? Look, He died for all of us so that we can stand complete in Him today. Whatever it is that comes to your mind when I say, what's your favorite sin? Or what's the one you battle the most? I can tell you one thing for sure, that you need to know what is demanded as our response here is to understand Christ died for your sins. He didn't deserve any of this. You and I deserve it and worse. But He endured it all so that He could bear the just and full eternal penalty for your sins so that you can stand today completely justified in His righteousness. What what is our response? If if tears come to your eyes, don't, don't feel badly about that. That's what He did for, for you. Ah, but what will you do when you go out of here? You know, there'll be somebody who might want to put you on the spot and say, Ah, oh, you're one of those Christians. No, well, what are you going to do in that moment? What are you going to do when, when it's you in the crosshairs like Peter was? Or, or you're the one just kind of sneaking around watching what's going on and, and somebody says, Oh, you were, are you going to... You let them grab your sheet and you're just going to run away in your shame and spiritual nakedness? I sure hope not. This demands a response. Only you know what the response is that you need to make. Let's pray. Our Father, how we thank you for your, um, your, your clarity in showing us who our Savior is and what He did for us. And Father, um, we know we need to respond. Yes, we need to make that big response of turning to You and embracing the Savior. Most here have done that, I'm sure. But we need to respond to You every day, Lord. Yes, I will speak Your truth in love. Yes, I will stand firm. Yes, I... I thank you for the riches of your grace and for every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies that whatever man may do to me, I am safe in your hands. Lord, you know the need of each heart here. Please don't let anyone go away without calling out to embracing, loving, and following this wonderful, crucified, risen Savior. Make us faithful, we pray, and 
as we so often sing in the new year, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Make it so. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.